Someone might say, oh, I'm not, I'm not interested in God and, and I don't believe in the devil. You know, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm, I'm my own person. I run my own life. I make my own decisions. No one tells me what to do. You might be thinking that or saying that. You know what? I want to tell you today, friends, the devil loves to hear that. He loves to hear people say, I run my own life. No one tells me what to do. In actual fact, they're just proving one point where they belong, where they are. Because when we come into the kingdom of God, everything changes. And um, we'll get to that at some point. I want to read you a key scripture for this morning. And it's from Colossians chapter 1. And it goes like this. He, God, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son, Jesus. So there are only two kingdoms. And if you're a follower of Jesus today, you've been rescued from that, where you were, and brought into the kingdom of the Son of His love, which is an amazing thing. Now, it, it is an amazing reality uh, for that, but it also creates a problem if that's your situation, that if you are a, uh, a Jesus follower today. Because I want to tell you, the ruler of the other kingdom where you came from doesn't like his assets being plundered. He doesn't like people ta- being taken out of his kingdom because it's kind of shrinking and the kingdom of God is advancing and going forward forcefully and powerfully, the devil doesn't like it. And we have to understand today that there is a conflict between these two kingdoms. There's no love lost. There's no peace between them. These kingdoms are locked in mortal combat. You might say it's a bit like Russia and Ukraine at the moment, only a lot worse than that, a lot worse. There is a war, a conflict going on. And Jesus gave us an amazing window in this when he told this parable in Luke chapter 11, if we can stick that up. Luke 11, when a strong man is fully armed and guards his palace, his possessions are safe. Some translations say his goods are at peace. Until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons and carries off his belongings. Now, this is talking about the devil. The strong man being referred to is the devil, but a stronger than he comes and attacks him. Now, that can either refer to Jesus or it can refer to a spirit-anointed believer who knows their place of authority. And if, uh, if you've ever come across someone who was seriously affected by some kind of demonic power and you've seen that that person set free from that, that's exactly what's going on there. Someone stronger than that has come upon them and has has taken their weapons and delivered that person and set them free. Now, why am I talking about this stuff? Because, friends, we all need to have some understanding of these things, some understanding. Because I'll tell you what, we're all liable to be attacked by the enemy at some point. Now, I'm not talking about completely controlled but we will come to it in a moment. I want to help you uh, this morning to have a, a basic understanding about spiritual warfare. Now, when we talk about spiritual warfare, there's two parts to this. There's, there's the defensive part, which we're going to talk about today, and then there's the offensive part. We won't touch that today, but we'll get to that at some point. I want to talk about protecting yourself against the works of the enemy. And again, Paul shared it, talking about Adam and Eve, how Eve... Uh, didn't do the right thing. She heard the voice of that um, serpent speaking to her, either didn't identify it or didn't know how to block it and resist it, but she got caught. They got caught 
and they fell into a trap, that's what happened. She wasn't prepared for what came. I want you and I to be prepared for what comes. I want you to picture with me this morning, friends, a, a Middle Eastern uh, sheepfold. And if you've uh, ever been there or seen one of these, it's like a, um, a circular enclosure, probably um, it might be, you know, about six feet high or something, and uh, made of rocks most likely, or, but it could be timber. But it's designed that at night time, uh, sheep can go in there and they would close the door and they'd be, be safe from, uh, you know, predators. Why do they have to have this? Because out there, if you're in the Middle East, and this is, I um, uh, need, need to mention that there are a number of references, about more than 20 references in the Bible to a sheepfold, the idea of a sheepfold. Um, there were, and there still are, like, like you know, lo- mountain lions, bears, and things like wolves and so on. There certainly were in Bible times uh, in, in the Middle East. Uh, they're after the sheep. So, and um, so uh, it's important that we get a hold of this. Um, and, and what happened is that the shepherd would, would lead his sheep, and there, there were many, many flocks, and often uh, there would be uh, one sheepfold for more than one flock of sheep. So there'd be, the shepherd would know his own sheep, and he would call them. We're going to read now from John chapter 10, verse 1. Uh, This is a story that Jesus told about sheepfolds. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The next slide says, after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. They don't know the voice of a stranger. And this is what God says. This is what Jesus said to give us more clarity and understanding. In verse 10, the thief's purpose, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Um, there's some amazing stories in the Bible about sheep and, you know, the, the things that come after them. One of the best is uh, uh, king, the young, young David, before he became a king, he was a shepherd. And, and uh, he told a story about how that, one day when he was looking after the sheep, uh, both a lion, a lion came and tried to attack the sheep and, and also at another time a bear came. It said he went after them. I went after both the lion and the bear and rescued the sheep out of, their, out of the, the lamb from their mouth. And then he said, when the animal turned on me, I grabbed it by its beard, he said, and I slew it. <laughs> I, I just... Um, I guess I've always had in my mind a picture of what that would be like. You know, someone should make a movie about these things, but, but uh, I reckon that would be a pretty awesome thing, don't you reckon? You know, grabbing hold of that thing. And, yeah. I, I've, <laughs> it's kind of funny for me because um, who's ever been bitten by a dog? A few people. Yeah, you have, Dallas. You know. I, I've been bitten by a dog a couple of times, and every time that's happened, I've sort of imagined 
you know, I need to do what David did. I need to grab that thing and just deal with it. Anyway, probably, probably someone's pet, probably someone's beloved pet. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so there's three main parables in, three main players in this parable. One is the sheep, and that would be us, you know. And people sometimes ask, you know, why, how come, how come believers or followers of, of Jesus are pictured as sheep in the Bible? You know, it seems a bit strange. Well, look, there's, there's lots of reasons for that. I, I don't want to really go into it today, except to say that this, that God has a plan for the sheep, and it's a good plan. I can say that. God has got a great plan for the sheep. The second player is the thief, also called a stranger. And we know that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, Jesus said. And the third player or character is the good shepherd, the one that's truly in relationship with the sheep, the one who the sheep know his voice, the one they recognize his voice. Let's talk for a moment about the devil's strategy, because the Bible says that we're not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant of the the ways that he tries to trip people up, the ways that he tries to rob, to steal, kill, and destroy from people. Let's talk about that for a moment. Now, there are many, many ways the devil wants to to steal, kill, and destroy you. Um, But I'm just going to mention a couple this morning. The first one is to entice or induce you into some area of sin, of disobedience, of uh, rebellion against God or, you know, doing what you know to be wrong. The word sin means to miss the mark. It's like an archery term, actually. It means to, instead of getting the bullseye, to go somewhere else over here. That's what it literally means, to miss what God has, God's best intention for your life. The devil loves to do that. And the Bible is very clear that when anyone is tempted, uh, it's not God doing that. So don't ever blame God when you're tempted. It's, well, it actually says that everyone is everyone is tempted when they're drawn aside by their own strong desires and, and falls into sin. However, the devil has a, a role, we know that, to provoke those things. He provokes us to sin and violate God's best intention for our life. That's number one. And uh, the second thing that I want to focus on a bit this morning is the battle for our mind, because every one of us in this room is subject to thoughts being put into our minds that are not God thoughts, that are not good thoughts, that are thoughts that are going to bring you down, that are thoughts of condemnation, thoughts of discouragement, uh, thoughts that uh, would, would seek to take you away from God's purposes in your life. Um, and look, depression, confusion, all those sort of things that come into our minds uh, that, that can rob you of where God wants you to be. And friends, our thoughts are so important, they're so crucial. What can happen is, and, and again, every one of us here uh, would, have, would recognize this at some time, you can get a train of thought in your mind and the train is going somewhere where you don't want to go. And so what are you going to do? You've got to get off the train somehow. I was reading a little bit about this, and uh, psychologists have discovered a new way. Well, it was new about 50 years ago. It's been developed since that time. Many of you have heard of cognitive behavior therapy, which is a, a very common treatment for depression, anxiety, and all kinds of issues that people have. Well, there's a new thing called metacognition, uh, and what that just means is, it just means that you can think about your thoughts. 
You can think about the thoughts you are having in your mind and you can make decisions about it. What it really means is that you can pause for a moment. You're in the middle of some train of thought. You can pause. You can stop. You can uh, separate yourself from those thoughts. Uh, I'm not saying dissociate. I'm saying separate yourself from those thoughts. And you can make a decision about whether that's healthy or not healthy. In other words, you can, you can uh, make decisions that will change that thought pattern and go somewhere different. Now, what I love about this is this was first, someone came up with this about 50 years ago, and they've been developing it ever since. It sounds a lot like what the Bible talks about in Corinthians, where the Apostle Paul says, you can take captive every thought and bring it into obedience to Christ. So 2,000 years ago, uh, you know, someone was discovering what God was already doing. And of course, we've now recently, we've in the secular world, uh, finally catching up with this. I want to encourage you this morning, friends, let your mind be so filled with truth, there is no room for the devil to keep putting wrong thoughts in there. And we know that he does. We know that, for example, Judas Iscariot, it says in John 13, that um, just before Jesus uh, went to the cross, it says that the devil now having put into the mind of Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus, we know that he does that. He brings thoughts to us, and we have a responsibility to deal with those things. Now, how do we do it? Just, I'm going to bring three, three points uh, this morning about what we need to do to, to protect ourselves from these sort of things that the enemy brings against us. Number one is stay alert. Stay alert. In other words, keep your mind on the job. You know, don't, don't just let your mind go anywhere, everywhere. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of emphasis these days on just, you know, doing what you want or letting your thoughts run wild here and there and everywhere. The Bible doesn't, it says stay alert. Be careful with your thought life. Be careful. Let's read from 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like, like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Now, that's the verse that really came into my heart that God, I believe, want me to share with you this morning. Stand firm against the enemy and resist him and be strong in your faith. I believe that every one of us in this room needs to take hold of that today. Stand firm against the enemy, resist him, be strong in your faith. And you might say to me today that, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty peace-loving individual. You know, I'm, I'm really... I really want you know peace rather than than war. I'm not a, not not a very warlike person. You know what? I am too. That's that's what I'd like. I'd, I'd like to not have to be. I'd like to be having a conversation about something else today rather than this. But here's the thing that I felt the Holy Spirit dropped into my heart. You can be passive and you can still be a victim. And I want to tell you this morning, friends, we don't really have a choice about whether we're going to resist the enemy or not. I believe God is saying every believer, every Christian, every follower of Jesus has got to have a some sense in their life of resistance, resisting the enemy. Submit yourselves, James said, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But if we don't do that, we are allowing him access into our life in ways that we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do it. So, look, you might say, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm a peace-loving person. I'm sorry to have to tell you, but we've all got to have a certain capacity to resist the enemy. Otherwise, he will um, 
take advantage. And God is calling, I believe God is calling us to be prepared. I thought of that scripture in the Psalms that says, it is God who trains my hands for battle, my fingers for war. You know, God is wanting to train you to be able to resist the enemy and he will flee from you. Second point this morning, stay close to the shepherd. You know, we, have, we talked about the sheep in the sheepfold and the shepherd. Those the sheep know the, know the shepherd's voice. Stay close to the shepherd. People sometimes talk about military strategy and, you know, rule number one of military strategy is know your enemy, so they say. But actually the real rule number one of military strategy is know your commander. Know the one who's commanding you. Know the master. Know the voice of the shepherd. And what I love about this is that, you know, we don't need to be afraid There's no need to be afraid of anything because the Bible says really clearly that nothing can separate us from God's love. Let's read it. I'm convinced nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons. We're talking about spiritual warfare here. You know, no demon or hell can take you out of God's love or from Jesus' hand, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. So you have the victory in Jesus today. You don't need to be fearful. You don't need to worry about these things. Uh, Certainly, uh, I I don't want anything I'm saying today to produce any kind of fear. Uh, I want want you to actually uh, rise up in authority, in spiritual authority today. That's my purpose, my plan, and what I'm sharing with you today. So recognize the shepherd's voice. How do we do that? Well, the shepherd's voice is a familiar voice um, because he knows you. He knows every one of his sheep by name and he calls them by name. You can imagine, let's say there's a sheepfold here and there's, you know, there's a few hundred sheep in there and there's, you know, there's, maybe there's a half a dozen different shepherds there and there's one shepherd and he's got 50 sheep and he knows every one of their names and he calls them and they come to him. It says they come to him and he leads them out to pasture. And that's what we're talking about, that God knows you personally. He knows the hairs on your head, the Bible says. I'm I'm just making it a bit easy for him. You know, making it a bit easier. But he knows everything about you and he knows your name. I also love the fact that God doesn't give you a number. You know, I'm a bit of a database. I I like databases a little bit. But, you know, when you've got databases, they're all numbers. It's all about numbers. But God doesn't give you a number, at least not that I'm aware of. The Bible doesn't say. He knows your name. You've got a name. A name. He knows your name and he knows everything about you. It's a familiar voice, the voice of Jesus. And it's not pushy or demanding, you know. Uh, I love Psalm 23 that says, He leads me. He leads me beside still waters. This is one of the main characteristics of the voice of the Holy Spirit versus some other voice. The devil is always demanding, always wanting to push people into something you don't want to do. But Jesus is always leading you because he wants you to follow. He doesn't want to drive you. He always wants you to follow him. He never, the voice, the shepherd's voice never contradicts the written word. You know, it's always in line with what you know the Father has God's best intentions for your life. You know that. It's a pleasant voice. So So I say, you know, spend time with the shepherd. You know, we've got to, all of us in this room, we have to learn to deal with distractions I think, you know, I've been a Christian and, and Del most, most of our lives, but, you know, we're, we're now 
actually talking more uh, intentionally and actively about uh, dealing with distractions, a little bit because of the course we've just done, but, you know, uh, being more intentional about taking time with God. And so most of you, all of you here know about this, but how intentional are you about it? Take time to learn and get to know the shepherd's voice a little bit more. Why do people get led astray? Are you, inverted commas, led astray? It's because they don't recognize the shepherd's voice. They're following some other voice, like we heard about earlier today, like Eve, Adam and Eve. They, they heard another voice. They didn't recognize the voice of their father. And he came down. The father came down every day and talked with them in the garden. He was there. But they listened to another voice. So have a think about the voices you're listening to. And don't listen to the enemy's voice. Last thing, I just want to say this morning, friends, use everything that God has given you. The Bible talks a lot about uh, armor, the armor of God and the the tools that God has given us to be able to resist the enemy. And I'm going to very quickly go through some of them with you today from uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and uh, just encourage you to use these weapons or this this armor to protect yourself uh, against the enemy. In Ephesians 6 verse 11 it says, put on all of God's armor. Just go back to the previous slide. It says, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. That word all of God's armor is really interesting Um, in in the Greek, the original language. It talks about a uh, it's, it's like a, a whole array of God's different armor. He's given you many different things. And so in that passage in Ephesians 6, it says, stand firm. Three, three times it says, stand firm or stand against the enemy so that you can, you can resist him and you won't be brought down. How do we do that? Verse 14. The first thing is it says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. If you can go to the next slide, thanks. Uh, stand your ground. Putting on the belt of truth and the, the belt of truth. What's the, what's the belt of truth? Well, I don't think the belt is that significant except the fact that the belt joins all the pieces of armor or armor together. But I think truth is extremely important for us as believers, as followers of Jesus. I, I want you to get a, a hold of this this morning, friends, because um, we need as, as Christ followers to put a high value on truth in our lives. And if you read the, the whole of the book of Ephesians, um, he makes it really clear. He's talking to, the, to, to um, fellow Christians and, and um, people that are, that are growing disciples of Jesus. And he's saying to them, he, he gets down to the nitty-gritty. Paul says, um, if, if you're a liar, stop lying, he says, which is pretty, pretty you know, confronting. If you're a liar, stop lying. In in other words, we've got to understand that truth has got incredible value and truth protects you. Truth protects you. I remember when I was um, was a child, um, once in in primary school, um, I had a friend who uh, was probably my closest friend at the time. And uh, he and his family were in the church that we had there in the little town in country Victoria where I grew up. And... um, uh, but this family ha- had a lot of issues and problems, and, and uh, my friend uh, 
uh, later on had a lot, of, a lot of really serious problems in his life. But we were, we were pretty close friends when, when we were young. And one day we were coming home from school, walking down the street together. And um, he said to me, oh, why don't we go into the, they had like a, a kindergarten or a preschool just there with a fence around it. And he said, why don't we jump over the fence and go and check out the preschool, go inside and see what's in there. Because, you know, we'd never been in there, obviously, before. And, and I thought, oh, okay, well, I guess so. He wants to do that. So, so we did. We jumped over the fence and we were sort of there and there was, you, could, you know, and, and there was uh, buildings and various things there inside the fence. This is like after school. Like there was no one there, like four o'clock or something in the afternoon. And so anyway, I was just standing there in the front yard and what happened is a police car came along the street and my friend saw it and instantly bolted. He bolted out the back where, he, where no one could see him. And I just stood there watching, sort of waving as the police car went by. You know, and there, there's a reason for that. It's because I knew I wasn't doing anything wrong. I just, I knew, I mean, my mate said it's okay. So I figured it was okay. And I'm just standing there in the front yard, you know, hi guys, you know. Anyway, later on, uh, I, I was home and, and uh, we did get a visit from the police at my home, you know. But I said, you know, I wasn't doing anything wrong. And the point is, I, I knew what I knew, that I wasn't doing anything wrong. I had no intention of doing anything wrong. So um, I could be totally truthful about that. And there was no worry. And the Bible says that, that you know, people in authority are never should not be feared by those who are doing the right thing. If you're doing the right thing, you don't need to be afraid of, you know, the police or people in authority, you know, and, and that's what God says. So um, the truth, I think, protects you. You know, when you've, when you've got a commitment to the truth in your life, it makes life a lot easier. You know, you, you, know, you know the story, you know the score. You know, when you, if you tell a lie, pretty soon you've got to tell another lie to cover it up, is that right? You know, when you start then a track of lying, um, you get, just get further and further into trouble. So I want to say to you, encourage you this morning, just say to yourself, I'm going to make truth my stronghold. I'm going to make truth, you know, my, my, my belt that brings all the armor together. Because truth is a, is a wonderful thing. It protects you. And the body armor of God's righteousness is the next part. And it, what that is, you know, I believe that every Christian, every follower of Jesus needs to have a clear and a strong understanding that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Me, you know, as, as bad as I am, as corrupt as I am, as flawed and fallible and failing as I am, I am now, because I've committed my life into God's hands, I am now, the Bible says, the righteousness of God in Christ. Otherwise, if you don't have that understanding, how are you ever going to resist when the enemy starts coming against you saying, you know, who are you to think you are worthy to be call yourself a Christian? Or what about last week? What about last month and last year? What about that? You've never resolved that. The enemy's always going to attack you and condemn you on the basis of your past life. And that's why it's so important that we get a revelation, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. The devil has got no defense against that. And so it's a wonderful thing to have that revelation. That doesn't give you a license to do whatever you like. That doesn't mean you're going to be more likely to fall into some area of sin or whatever. What it's going to say is when you get that revelation of who you are as a believer 
as a follower of Jesus, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be much more, that's going to lead you into the right kind of thinking and the right kind of behavior and the right kind of believing. Here's the truth that we've got to get a hold of today, friends. Right believing always leads to right behaving. I, I, I just, I'm committed to that view. I'm absolutely committed to that view, that right behaving doesn't come out of a whole set of rules that we, like a fence we put around ourselves. And I know this is a very big subject. I know that children need to have fences and boundaries around them. And so do adults, of course, in some, in some sense. But right believing leads to right behaving. Let's get our believing right first. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. For shoes, it says, put on the peace. Um, that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. He's talking about your feet, put on, put on your, the shoes. Now, I've, I've thought about that quite a lot, and I just want to say this this morning, friends. You know, there's no peace like the peace that comes from knowing that you're right with God. When you know that you're forgiven of your past, there's no peace like that. It's, a, it's the most profound and wonderful peace that comes into your life. And when you share with someone about Jesus, when you, when you share your story or what God has done for you, you know, um, and what, what's happening is the kingdom of God is expanding right there at that moment. Something's happening and, and God's, you know, the kingdom of God is growing. And what happens is you get to share in the benefit of that. You get to share in the joy of that because there's also no joy like the joy from Leading someone to Jesus. It's the most amazing feeling you can ever know, leading someone to Jesus. So I want to encourage you in that. When you do that, get the, good, get the, the gospel message, the, the good news about Jesus in your heart uh, so that you can share that with other people. It does something powerful in your life and something good in your life. In every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield, as we were hearing also um, earlier in the meeting today. For it's able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. So we need to know, friends, that every one of us in this room will have arrows pointing at us, the Bible says, flaming arrows being shot at you. How are you going to extinguish those things? You need to have the shield of faith. What that means is grow your faith, you know, uh, commit yourself to a lifestyle of faith that I'm going to believe I don't need to see and know and understand a lot of people struggle with this because they say, if I don't understand it, I can't believe it. Here's the problem with that. There are so many other things you don't understand and yet you still believe them. Like most of us in this room, well, I'm an electrician. Okay, oh, sorry. I wasn't supposed to acknowledge that, but I am. But I don't really understand electricity. Well, I got a bit of an understanding, you know, a bit of an understanding, you know. Um, but most of us, we don't really understand the technicalities of these scientific things but we still believe in it. I turn the switch on all the time for the lights to go on, all those sort of things. So there's lots of things that you and I don't understand in life, but we accept them. So we've got to realize that faith, we, we live in faith, natural faith, all the time. So put your faith and your trust in the living God because he is amazing. And it becomes a shield to protect you against those doubts, those arrows of doubt those flaming arrows of doubt that he wants to put into your mind. The last thing, embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. What I think that means is just know that you are saved. 
In other words, salvation is like a helmet over your mind, protecting you from also other lies of the enemy that he tries to put in your mind. Like, uh, you know, you're not a Christian. You know, you're just not. And the devil will try and rob you of your security as a follower of Jesus and a believer in him. So I think it's so important to know that we know that we know. I talked about it last week here. Knowing that you are saved, knowing that you belong to him. What a, what a wonderful thing that is. I'm just going to ask our creative team to come back now if, if they can. Um, and I want to encourage you this morning, friends, to, to just to make a decision in your mind, in your heart right now, that I'm going to listen. I, w- I will listen for the voice of the shepherd. I'm going to listen for his voice. I'm going to put a stake in the ground and say, I'm going to listen for the voice of the shepherd. God, what are you saying to me? Because there's lots of other voices out there, isn't there? You know, every time you turn on the TV, every time you turn on some music, whatever, there's lots of other voices. But listen for the voice of the shepherd to say, I want you to, I want you to lead me. Lord, will you lead me? The devil's two main strategies that we talked about this morning, you know, to get you to, into some area of sin or, you know, missing the mark with God. And also that whole thing of the mind to try and put things in your mind that are going to distract you, that are going to... Uh, rob you of joy, that are going to bring discouragement and confusion and depression, all of those things in your mind. I think we need to say today, you know, God, I'm, I'm setting my life apart for you. God, I'm not going to uh, let the enemy lead me into anything that will take me away from your presence. God, I'm going to set my focus and my heart upon you. Can we stand up in God's presence this morning? Mm-hmm.